0: hello my name is katie indy crow i am an earth-walking soul-talking crow person in other words a psychopomp this podcast is a collection of my best stories earned whilst out on the road taking care of the planet and guiding the souls who live here come on in here's some of my psychopomp stories Welcome back to Psycho Bomb Stories. It is your host Katie Indy Crow and today we continue on with the telling of the Saga of Earth series. The Saga of Earth series is the story of how planet Earth got hurt and what we as people who are living here and who have been taking care of it have been doing to help rise it and humanity from the ashes. In episode one, I talked to you about the great fall of the planet and I introduced you to the false idol altar God that was using the planet Saturn and its energy sheath as a way to influence and manipulate and control humans. In episode two, I talked to you about the moment when Jesus came to the earth and that Jesus was a representation of creator who was here to show us every single person, the path to true worship and Through that, the path out of repeating our imprisonment to this false idol God by doing veneration in their style, a.k.a. one of the main things Jesus was here to do was to teach us to stop worshiping false idols, stop doing human sacrificing, stop doing blood ritual, and to start honoring the truth of our soul, the truth of the planet, and the truth of loving ourselves. As we wrapped up in episode two, We all know how that went when Jesus walked into planet Earth. Well, at least this part of planet Earth, Judea, a.k.a. Israel, he walked into a part of the planet that was heavily involved in rituals of blood. And part of the reason why I believe he wound up to the place where the crucifixion happened is that this power and the strength of this being was so strong over the hearts and minds of the people that were around him. That they twisted and controlled it and for the moment when jesus was crucified it seemed like this being this Baal, moloch satan being had won in episode three i will tell you that in the tellings of certain parts of books of the religious study as well as when you come and study um, traditional stories and traditional tellings that there appears to be a lot of evidence that jesus didn't actually die when he was crucified, and that, in fact, he did rise from the dead, walked around Judea, and after that, went to the New World. In this installment of Psychopomp Stories, I tell the story about the rise of Jesus, his journey to the Americas, and how that played an important role in the saga of Earth. Let's pick right up where we left off, at the moment of the crucifixion of jesus that terrible opportunity that humanity missed to fast forward themselves in their healing and their freedom from this terrible baal malak god who had taken over during that short period of history where earth was in the energy sheath well after the crucifixion there is one traditional or there's one official account that says that jesus rose he went back up to heaven And that's where he's been ever since. There are a lot of other accounts who say that that is not what happened. And the first one that I'm going to turn us to today for this conversation is that that is offered in the book of Nicodemus. In the book of Nicodemus, which is written by Nicodemus, we have a little bit of an alternate story about what happened post-crucifixion. According to this book, after the event occurred, Jesus was taken by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, who performed certain rites and placed him in a tomb. Now, one thing that I didn't bring forward in the last installment that I will bring forward here is that some of the primary aggressors, in fact, the primary aggressors who were saying that Jesus needed to be sacrificed were people who were of a priestly order. When you think about what the priestly orders were at that time, that means that these were people who were more than likely, involved themselves in blood ritual, involved in human sacrificing, and involved in the very order that Jesus was here to tip. When Jesus died, or supposedly died, these beings became extremely interested in controlling the movements of the body, as well as being aware of anybody who would be coming and going from it. One of the things that this order did was to assign soldiers or guards to stand outside of the tomb of jesus to make sure that nothing happened to his body according to these guards at some point while they were doing their watch over the tomb of jesus some big lighted beings showed up and pushed the big rock that had sealed the entrance to the tomb out of it and from there jesus himself who appeared very much alive walked right out Well, guess what happened those priests they paid those soldiers to keep their mouths shut and to not tell anybody what they had seen after that it is said that jesus rose other people from the grave two of them and that those people were seen in the public and it is also said that he was seen speaking to his disciples So according to the book of Nicodemus, during all of this time, these priests just kept going around to all of the people who Jesus had been talking to and paying them off and or ordering them to be quiet, aka they immediately went around and started to control the narrative of who Jesus was and what happened after his death. Strategically, it makes a lot of sense. If you are part of a priesthood order, who worships a being and creator just basically sent themselves down here or their son depending on how you believe to show the world how the path out of that you would want to do anything that you possibly could to squash the story of that person and it makes perfect sense that just as they were so interested in putting him up on the cross so too would they be very interested in limiting our knowledge of just how fabulous he actually was So obviously living in Judea, living in this part of the world was not going to be something that would be advantageous to Jesus. And truly and honestly, he knew that he had much larger work to do. This wasn't the only place in the world that had been affected by this false idol God. In fact, the whole world had been affected by this false idol God because as you recall, it had had the planet in an entire energy sheath. And during that time that it wasn't in that energy sheath, that thing had a lot of power and it had a lot of presence and it had the ability to make itself very strongly known to the people who were alive on planet earth. And so what happened is those people formed spiritual and cultural traditions, sometimes in fear, sometimes because they were forced to, sometimes because that's the only way they ever knew that venerated this thing. And so just as there had been practices of blood ritual and blood sacrifice, throughout iraq afghanistan israel jordan turkey so too were these practices happening in places that we know as guatemala peru mexico as well as where the united states was the being that this saturn idol god oftentimes showed up as is recognized as the fire god and people who were part of the tradition of the fire god were oftentimes referred to as people of the serpent And so people of the serpent oftentimes would then have priests of the serpent and they would perform ritual sacrifice to appease this fire God. And as I explained to you in the last installment, when we perform ritual sacrifice, when a life is given to something like this, what you are doing is you are giving it power. You are providing it a gate to have influence and relevance on planet earth. And so just the same way as Jesus was working to teach people to eliminate this from their traditions in Judea so too did he set out to do so on the shores that he landed so continuing on with his work by the accounts that I have been able to find Jesus got himself onto a boat he traveled overseas and he landed in what we call the new world but which is a world that is very very ancient and he began his teachings here Now, I recognize that the idea that Jesus could have risen from the crucifixion, lived on earth, got on a boat, and traveled overseas to continue his teachings is something that bends the minds of those of us in particular who were raised in a religious tradition like I was that is Roman Catholic. However, when you start listening to the various stories that are positioned cross-culturally, you have to give pause and take a listen. For example, When one person was describing his arrival, according to his people, it is told that this stranger who arrived on the shores was a bearded and pale of feature, without a doubt a white man. His eyes were as gray-green as still green waters, and just as changeable in their color. His hair was the sheen of red gold, yet he was not a man of your people. This one was a god with high soul stature. If he touched a man who was wounded, that one became healed. One of the main activities that the healer participated in as he made his journey through Guatemala, Mexico, up the Mississippi River, up into parts of the Americas and Canada was to deliberately seek out tribes who are participating in warfare, specifically seek out tribes who are participating in cannibalism and idol worship and doing things like human sacrifice with the intention of converting them away from that false idol worship into a form of worship that would not only free their souls but benefit them and benefit the planet now when the healer the pale one first arrived he was not always welcomed with open arms and this is because well one people don't like it when someone comes around the topples their specific order and two there were people who were quite dedicated to a god some called them the fire god some called them the god of balam who in no ways wanted their influence to be usurped. And so they took it upon themselves to try to challenge this pale traveler and to try to throw their mission off as they arrived on the shores. And very Jesus-like behavior, one of the first things that and most consistent things that this traveler is recited as doing as they traveled throughout the lands was seeking out people who were war, seeking out people who were cannibalistic, and seeking out people who were participating in human sacrifices. And when he found those people, it was his job to convert them into more earth-based forms of worship, more pure forms of worship, that did not include the veneration of this false Saturn, false idol god. An example of this was found in Guatemala when the Pale One rolled into the town of Elk Balaam. While there, the priests of Elk Balaam hatched a plan they were either going to trick the Pale One into losing their divinity by doing a sacrifice in their honor, or they were going to have the Pale One in refusing a human sacrifice insult the temple, and thus, because the temple was insulted, would give them the right to kill the Pale One. Well, when it came up to the moment of the Great Test, not only did the Pale One refuse the sacrifice, he also was able to re- reawaken Someone who had just been put to sacrifice and at the same time was able to thwart the the swords of the actual priesthood themselves who had attempted to turn them on him. So not only was he demonstrating in his steps that he rejected idol worship, he was showing that he had the ability to bring people back to life, just like Jesus did back over there in Judea. Perhaps most importantly for this story The Pale Traveler demonstrated that it was possible to do these miracles without having to take a life. Bloodshed and that type of ritual was not necessary for a being of great power. And this greatly impressed the people. It impressed them so much so that they rejoiced in his presence. And from there on out, ahead of his steps, went hit the stories of him. And for the most part, thereafter. The Pale Traveler was pleasantly and happily received to the villages that he visited. Soon after performing these miracles, as to be expected, a powerful and positive reputation formed around this pale-bearded healer. And it came to be known that he would be making his ways throughout the lands, visiting as many people, as many tribes, and as many villages as he can. One of the main tenets that he spoke of was the importance of peace and the importance of being able to live in peace and harmony with one another on the land. An example of this can be found in the Seneca telling of the peace treaty that they eventually formed. According to this storyteller, there were five tribes of warring nations in New York, and they were met by this pale bearded traveler. This pale traveler talked about their peaceful religion and helped to create a never-ending peace alliance between these five tribes. Some of the places that we know that this pale-bearded traveler took their message include the islands of Polynesia, Peru, Guatemala, where there are quite a few stories, Mexico, the Yucatan Peninsula, and then I'm going to list off a whole lot of places in North America which might be interesting to you. Lots of information that this person visited Georgia, Mississippi, that they were all the way up and down the Mississippi River, which was a highly important ceremonial complex until colonialism destroyed it. That this person was in New York, that this person went all the way to Michigan, to South Dakota, to Wyoming, and Oklahoma, and also as far up as Canada, even over to Arizona. And time and time and time again, when you come across the cultural tellings of this person, they're always doing the same thing. They're converting people from the law of the jungle. They are teaching people about horticulture and also irrigation. And they are teaching people about the possibility of living together in peace as the true order of how humanity is meant to be. The reason why I am not going in-depth example for example for example for example at this time is that the source the current source that I am drawing some of this information from has specifically stated that they don't want it reproduced. It is okay to talk about general themes. It is okay to talk about where this occurred or different spaces but part of protecting the sacred knowledge and this is definitely considered sacred knowledge is not telling too many of the details, not telling too much about how to identify who these people are. And part of the reason for that is their own safety, which is a matter that I will get to in another podcast This part of this series because trust me when I say there were and are peoples who have strong and direct knowledge of the visit of this pale traveler. And some of those peoples no longer exist today because they were targeted. And I do know that one on for sure because I've experienced helping to clean up that mess in ceremony which is, again, something I'll talk about in a future installment. A natural question when hearing these stories is to think, well, how do we know that this pale-bearded person wasn't just a colonial interest or someone pretending to be a god? Well, one way that we know this is that this person was able to conduct the wind and the water. We also know that this person was able to conduct spontaneous healing because a lot of people saw it, enough people that it made an impression on them. And we also know that this person was able to turn away swords. One of the other strong distinctions that we can rely upon is that which is made by the storytellers themselves, who are very careful to say that this person is distinct from the black robes black robes, and the sharp swords who came to be the people that were associated with colonialism. The other ways that we know there is a distinction here is that within several of the cultural tellings of the visits of the pale traveler is that he warned people that in the future there would be people that would come either up the Mississippi or across the ocean and that those people would be warfaring violent people who would attempt to overthrow their civilization and one of the things that he was trying to do I guess by creating the peace by ending the idol worship by doing all the journeys and the traveling that he was doing was sincerely from the bottom of his heart hopefully and hoping to get the peace within the human condition where all of the gates to the energy that was pushing these wars to the energy that was pushing these conquests to the energy that was pushing this destruction would be closed and the reason why stopping ceremony was so important is that when you are able to stop the major rituals of invocation and the major rituals that are being used to power a spiritual order a false energy order you were able to close the door on that order altogether. As I told you in other installments and I will keep telling you in future ones, the only reason that this particular Satan, Moloch, Baal, whatever you want to call it, energy existed, even past the time of the crucifixion is because people kept working to bring it back in. People kept worshipping this thing as a god. People kept sacrificing their firstborn children to it. People kept building pyres to it. People kept living their lives in deference to this false idol. And it was truly seeking to end that deference, seeking to end that stranglehold that was one of the last-ditch efforts that Jesus was trying to make before he saw the outpouring of major, major major-scale world wars, major-scale genocides, and what would later eventually become, in my opinion, the hunting of any of the people who had truly met him. So was this pale, bearded traveler successful in their missions? In some cases, yes. And in some, this was only temporary. Other parts of the stories will tell you that some of these people went back to the way of the snake. Some of these people went back to the way of the jungle. And some of these people went back to worshipping that old, yucky god. And you will hear more about that in the next telling of Psychopomp Stories. And you will hear more about these sites and the imprints that Jesus left on them as I get to them myself. My big summer and fall plan is to travel to as many of them as I can get to. And it is when I get into that deep, sacred focus and communication with them that I will best be able to further recount the stories of this pale traveler to you. Having said all of that, it is time to begin wrapping up the telling of this part of the story for this week. If you would like to hear more, be sure to hit that subscribe button. I release a new podcast every second Thursday. And I also have some behind-the-scenes, uncensored podcast episodes that are available to my members community. If you'd like to become a supporter of this podcast and a member of that community, you can do so at buymeacoffee.com slash esoteric earth. I'll link it here. It is a fun little place where you get more in-depth information More pictures, more stories, and more direct contact with me if that's something that you would like. Thanks so much for being here. I look forward to telling you the next part of this story two Thursdays from now.